Under the wide and starry sky, dig the grave and let me lie. Glad did I live and gladly die, and lay me down with a will. Allison. I won't miss. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. My guest this episode, all the way from England, the UK, somewhere thereabouts, yeah? Yeah, UK, England, either. <laughs> Faith, host of Caffeinated Monsters podcast, which I've been listening to nonstop for a couple weeks now. A great show that you should all go and listen to. Uh, before we get into... This episode's movie, which is George A. Romero Presents Dead Time Stories, Volume 2, from 2010. Maybe Faith wants to throw us in a bit on what her show's all about and where you can find it and things like that. Okay, so uh, as you just heard, my name's Faith. I'm the host of Caffeinated Monsters, um, possibly changing the name to something else soon because caffeinated is very difficult to spell for everyone, apparently. <laughs> So yes, trust a dyslexic to come up with an awkward name. So sure, but yeah, I'm from the UK. I uh, born and bred here. I started my podcast because, like most people, I was stuck in indoors during the um, I was it during the uh, the joys of the COVID plague that was going everywhere. Big same. So I was like, you know what. So I was listening to quite a few podcasts. I was, I was thinking, not many people go into like the subject matters or talk about like the lesser known films. So I was like, hmm, I think I'll do that then. And yeah, it's been about two and a half years now. I'm still going fairly strong. It is strong. It's very strong. I enjoy it. Speaking of lesser known films, listening to your older episodes, it's been fun because there's been times where you and your guests don't go super in depth, but talk you know, a, a little bit at length about some really random horror movies, which I have done entire episodes of on my show, including The Sand and Spontaneous. So that was fun to hear somebody else. I thought I'm the, probably the only person who's ever talked about these, The Sand in particular on a podcast. But <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a very interesting. <laughs> and then also in the early days of your show, there was the Ashmore Curse, not Three episodes ago, I think two or three, I did a movie called Wolf Girl, which starred, I don't even remember anymore. Was it Sean or, let me check my notes here. It was either Sean or Aaron <laughs> Ashmore. Uh, yeah. It was Sean Ashmore. And I, and I too, wasn't sure which was which. <laughs> I still laugh at, about that, that, that inside joke, because even to this day, I second guess whether which twin it is that I'm looking at, because I thought it was one person, only to find out for my... Uh, uh, co-host I used to uh, do this with that it was actually twins and I was like oh well, I feel like a dumbass now <laughs> yeah it's either Iceman or it's the one from Lock and Key it's not Bolton one was on Smallville but the other one was and it's always like but, but, but which one was which mm. Thank, thanks IMDB but yeah speaking of uh, well I don't know what little known but certainly <laughs> low budget you guys, do you guys, you guys have to be there I don't believe so. I mean, I've tried to look for Roku and TB. I don't think we get those in the UK, which is annoying. So I must invest in a VPN soon. 
Yeah, because Tubi is a treasure trove of stuff. Like, like just the, the reason I've had so many horror movies on this show, even though my movies are chosen at random from everything streaming, is that there's 50,000 horror movies on Tubi. So the chances of getting one is like pretty good. So, and here we are today to talk about Dead Time Stories 2. When I first got it, when it first got chosen as my movie, I, I couldn't remember when George Romero died. And so I was a little worried that, like, is this some kind of like cash in on his name after he had passed? It's not. He was alive when they made this. He's a producer on it. But I don't know. <laughs> I feel like his involvement was probably pretty slight. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, I think it was minor uh, because it says like the uh, Dead Time Sto- Stories Volume 2 presented by George A. Romero. Like he wasn't a director for any of the short films. No. Well, he is, he poses as sort of a crypt keeper figure who introduces to you, introduces you to the three short films that are in the movie. And, but it seems like they just filmed him like sitting on his living room sofa, <laughs> like, and saying things that maybe that kind of sort of match up to what you're seeing. But I also feel like they maybe could have been recorded for something else. And then they just took what he said and then made a movie based on what he like, so that the movie would match what he said after the fact. I don't know. It seems it's very odd. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they sent him script saying, we're making this anthology film. Can you say these segments and we put a camera in front of you? Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they'd done that with him just to make life easier. But yeah, it just, it didn't look like he was kind of like, this isn't my top 10 things that I want to do this today. Yeah, but he's doing sort of Crypt Keeper, not even puns, but like little, I don't know, <laughs> little sort of one-liners and stuff about the, yeah, it, it kind of comes off as, I mean, the movie is, is very, very cheap. It's very low budget. But yeah, he did. I mean, he he was a producer on it. He is. It's not like they, I don't think they stole his image after his, and I think his wife or daughter, there's another, there's a female Romero listed as a producer too. So I'm sure he was involved in some fashion, but if you're, if you're coming to this looking for like, oh, I love George A. Romero, don't, don't get your hopes up. It's no Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, it's not a, they're not highly uh, philosophical movies, I'll admit. They're not exactly thinking about like, oh, this is the time of society in this decade. Like it does with most of his films. And it's just kind of like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're not uh, scathing social commentaries by any means. So the first segment, I kind of I kind of just go beat by beat. Or not, I mean, beat by beat. But I got some notes. I got like two pages of notes. So I, I must have... I had some interesting questions about what what I was witnessing in some of these. <laughs> well, maybe we'll be able to answer them. <laughs> uh, the first segment is the gorge. It's thirty one minutes out of the what ninety. Well, I think it's an hour and forty. I don't remember, but and it's kind of it's not something you haven't seen before. I feel like it feels kind of. I feel like I've seen a movie like this before i've seen a few films like this but i still i liked what they did with the story because of like the characters you have no idea of like their relationship together and the fact that really what they have to do to survive is kind of like yeah you have to do this otherwise you're gonna die (laughs) yeah it's a it's a couple in their third wheel uh they're going cave exploring and that that's all you're gonna know about them aside <laughs> from their names, I guess. It's Gary and Donna, and then Craig is their buddy. Mm. And I think it was his idea to 
go explore this cave but yeah they're working their way down this cave and there's a a a gummy bat hanging on the wall <laughs> like crazy or did this bat look literally look like a gummy bear like it, it's purple and like <laughs> kind of like one of those knockoff um like timu thing got bat decorations that you got and it's just kind of like, oh god it did look like something i had when i was when i was a child that you could literally like throw at the wall and it would stick to it <laughs> like a wacky walk walker or whatever <laughs> or the sticky, yeah, those exactly. sticky hands yeah, it kind of looks like that. Hope they don't have to eat it later. But of course, there's a, a cave-in, and Gary's leg is fucked. Under It looked like his head was crushed, too, but he's like just under this rock that didn't... I'm glad it wasn't just me, because I thought, how is he talking? His head is on. His head has been annihilated. Like, how, why are they still asking if he's okay? And it's like, oh, it's just the way the camera's angled. <laughs> Yeah, the way that the rock is like a, like it almost landed on him, but it got caught on another rock or whatever. So he survived that, but his foot is smashed apart. And the as far as the gore effects, they're not bad. Not for a movie of this budget. I've seen a lot worse. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, his foot's all fucked up. And they're screaming for help. They look around. They can't find any sort of exit, which makes me wonder how the rescue crew later finds their way in if there's i don't know <laughs> is that one of your questions because that's a question i have no no but I, I was kind of curious about the the intro music for the for, uh, for the gorge because it was kind of like very 80s exercise music yeah that's some royalty free ah, <laughs> you <okay>. know <laughs> like like there's stock footage there's stock music too like that's I don't think anybody sat down and wrote a song for this. There's no lyrics or anything. It's just a real generic sort of, it's supposed to evoke a certain kind of music without actually being that kind of music, really. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because it was just, it it was very, um, I half expected someone to put like spandex on and just start dancing to it. But it's kind of like, this doesn't seem to fit with the the narrative though, but I don't get it. But oh, okay, I'll let this go. (laughs) It's an odd thing to be listening to two in your car on a car trip that's for sure mm. craig has to stitch up donna's arm which is another pretty decent effect she got a big gash in her arm and he sews it up they go through their food pretty quickly which seemed to be a couple sandwiches and bananas which all got squished so and then we got to day 17 that they've been trapped in here they've given up the hope of rescue kind of he catches that gummy bat and they eat it Ozzy Osbourne style, he just bites the head right off. Made me think of a, uh, oh, what was it? Um, the Adam Sandler movie where um, Ozzy Osbourne was actually in it and he, they have like a CGI bat and he literally bites the head off of it and have had that inside joke. Oh, God, is it Little Nicky? Yes, that's Little yeah. Nicky, that's the one. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the one Ozzy would be in, I would think. So, uh, And then we cut to day 25, which... Look, and I've seen I've seen a lot of naked and afraid. I've seen people who are having to get by on not a lot of calories. They're pretty gaunt, and these people look fresh as the day they walked into this cave. So they could have done a bit more, maybe, with the makeup as far as them looking hungry. <laughs> so they look pretty well fed still. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they still have that. But it's that annoying, like low budget thing of really, like, do we have the time to put the makeup yeah. on them, or should we just? put a title card on it and let them get on with it. And, and look, it's a low budget horror movie. It's it's nitpicky stuff, which is 
I guess the bread and butter of this show. And maybe that says something bad about me. I don't know. <laughs> but Overall, compared to a lot of movies I've done for this show, and even compared to a lot of anthologies I've seen, this isn't that bad. The, the yeah. Dead Time Stories Volume 2 as a whole, just out of curiosity, I also watched Dead Time Stories Volume 1 just as a, to be a completionist. I, I think 2 is better than 1, but... Yeah, I mean, you get you get what you pay for. It's still it's still a very low budget movie, so you know, buyer beware. I mean, I'm glad I did clock that they all wore like the correct safety gear when they went into the cave, and I was like, oh, thank God for that. Because I've, I've seen so many, oh, what was it, like strange disappearances and like freak accidents where people have gone into like gone caving and just not worn like a helmet or the right shoes, right. and I was like, I'm glad that these people actually spared the budget so they could get them decent helmets and not the ropes as well yeah they're not just traipsing in there on a whim they came prepared so day 25 gary's foot is ginormous and black with gangrene (laughs) like his foot's like swelled to like three times its normal size it's real gross and craig thinking ahead uh is like look we're gonna to save his life we're gonna have to take that leg off also hear me out (laughs) we're starving we could take off a couple extra inches. No one would know the difference. And then we can eat. <laughs> and this is her, Donna's fiance we're talking about. So she's, of course, you know, opposed to the idea to start with. But I don't know. You get hungry enough. You do what you got to do. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people would, would have resorted to that as well. It's kind of like, well, us two are able-bodied. He's got less chance of surviving this disaster situation. We could have a little nibble, just get a few calories in, and then just hope someone finds us before we get more hungry. Yeah, we're cu- we're cutting the leg off anyway, and we can't eat the gross part. So, you know, no one will know. I don't. Could you eat your wife? I don't know that I could eat my wife if I had to. <laughs> I kind of think I'd rather de- just starve. I don't know. I think it would depend on the situation and how far gone of how extreme everything is as well yeah i suppose you never know until you're in the situation i talk a big game but i don't know maybe i guess you get hungry enough Mm. i don't think she would eat me i really don't i don't think because she can't even like if she gets like a a, like a splinter (laughs) she's like pull it out like she can't handle she doesn't watch most horror movies with me because she can't deal like anything with like skin cutting or like she's not she can't do it can't even look at it so i can't imagine her cutting me open (laughs) i guess desperate times hopefully we never have to find out yeah i mean i'm i'm a sucker for like really good special effects in horror films i mean a good degloving scene i'm like (laughs) it's enough to make me feel a bit sick (laughs) gerald's game oh yeah (laughs) oh the sound effect as well (laughs) probably the best one ever is in gerald's game but yeah then uh we cut ahead a little bit more we don't know how long and we don't really see, like, as far as we know, they only like ate part of his leg. But then a rescue sh- crew appears because I guess they found their car parked sort of abandoned and people were looking for them and thought, oh, I guess they must be. I, but I still don't know how the risk. I guess maybe they dug from the outside. OK, that I guess that makes sense. <laughs> they came equipped, but they've come to rescue and it's just Donna and Craig. And they're like, yep, it's just us in here. <laughs> and they get taken to the hospital. And so now they have this secret between them. Because when the, now I don't know, when the rescue crew shows up, what did they do with the bones? How did they hide? Like, 
So they ate, they've eaten the entirety of Gary. We'll come to find out. But where did they hide his bones? There would be blood. Every, like, wouldn't the rescue crew be like, holy shit, who bled this much and is still alive, one of you, you know? I would have questions if I were them. I don't think of that either, because I'm pretty sure that when they got caught, got taken out of the cave, that they were both covered in blood, and it's kind of like, where did this come from? <laughs> Specifically blood on, like, on their mouths. <laughs> but there would be such a mess in that cave of gore and what's left of Gary, because they didn't eat the bones. There's no way. Where did they hide them? I don't know. But the rescue crew is still, it's all over the news that, you know, oh, we found two of them. A third person is still missing, but he wasn't in the cave, so we don't know where he at. I, the police should be questioning them as well, but never mind that. So they're in hospital, and she's a bit worse off than Craig is, because Craig is going to be released sooner. She feels sick and runs to the bathroom and pukes up an entire finger, which is pretty funny. I would rather that, that was like a pinky finger because I can't imagine someone eating like a whole index without like breaking the like knuckles apart or, or like the joints. Yeah, I think it was just like the tip. It was probably, you know, one of the longer fingers and just from the like the second knuckle up. But it's still, but why would you, you would still, wouldn't you eat the meat off the finger bone rather than just swallow an entire finger like a horse pill? I would think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, know. But also, but it also it's, I guess it's maybe left up to interpretation if she actually vomits up this finger or if it's just because she has lost her mind at this point or if she's just imagining she's throwing up a finger. Could be either one, I guess, if you want to be generous about it. But then she's also hearing this the cracking sound coming from her own face, which is never explained. And she has, she gets a big scar on her face that appears apropos of what? I don't know. But I mean, I don't know whether it's. Because of how she looks at the end of the of that short, maybe it's kind of like her physically changing, as if it's kind of like the um, the Wendigo storyline that if you eat another person, you start to change into one of them. Yeah, I was gonna say it gets a little Wendigo ish at the end. Yeah, Craig's like, well, I'm getting released before you. I guess I'll see you, and we'll never talk about this or never tell anybody. We're sticking to our story, right? And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. But then, yeah, she's gone crazy. And she goes and ties him down to it before he gets to leave, ties him down to his bed, manages to devour him almost completely with no nurse ever coming in. To, like, it would take a while to eat this man, I would think. But she's already eaten him completely, taken a bag of, taken a doggy bag of him with her to her car and driven away from the hospital before a nurse ever comes in and finds his body, which is kind of just a head and then meaty bones. And some entrails. And it's a pretty, another pretty good looking, for a budget like this, a pretty good looking dummy or effect or whatever. It's pretty, pretty disgusting. I liked it. I just love that she took some with her. <laughs> like, I couldn't, I could never, oh, I couldn't, couldn't possibly finish all that. I better take a box it up. She has just sitting on the passenger seat. She just has a bag of Craig parts that she's <laughs> munching on like popcorn as she drives. But she drives back to the cave. And we see a family, like a mom and dad and a kid are like, we're going to go explore this cave now. Wouldn't the police shut? It's under a police investigation at this point, right? Like, shouldn't it be blocked off from the public? Like, no, nobody else should go in there. We just had a cave in. We just had to rescue two dum-dums. I don't know what, what, or it could be a case of, had she been hiding out in that cave for a little while and then they like reopened it? I don't know. 
But I'd be surprised if they did reopen a cave like that, given that really, if it can, can collapse once and trap people, what's stopping it from doing it again? Yeah. But anyway, they're, they're in there exploring, and then she kind of comes out of the shadows, and yeah, her face is all weirded out now. It's not furry. Like, I, don't, I guess I don't know what I picture Wendigo as. Wendigo as. It's not this necessarily. She kind of looks like a, like a Dr. Moreau manimal kind of yes yeah that that is actually exactly what it looks like it's kind of like someone put on a um uh planet of the apes like prosthetic over a face and nose but she yeah and then it goes black and we hear this family screaming so she, i guess she's just gonna eat everyone who comes in this cave now until she gets caught or whatever and that's the end of the gorge the first section the second one which is my favorite of the three I don't know which 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 was your favorite. Or we can wait till the end to talk about that. But uh, it's called On Sabbath Hill. It's thirty six minutes long. We have a. I don't know where it's supposed to take place. They don't really say. I wonder if there's an actual Sabbath Hill University or whatever. I didn't bother to look it up. But there's this college professor. He's got a wife and kids. He's a real stickler, and by stickler I mean asshole <laughs> about his students. You know. He really give reason the riot act if they miss a class. Like you miss a class, oh, you're out. And there's no dropping my class. You're not allowed. You're just like you're taking a zero and you're failing my class. Don't be late. If you walk in late, I'm gonna mock you in front of the rest of the like. Not a cool dude. No, I found the um, I found him to be quite like, really frustrating to watch. But he plays the guy that plays the uh, the teacher. He comes across as an asshole really well, and it's just kind of like. You played it too well because I don't like you now. <laughs> yeah, now I question you as a, as a person, the actor, because <laughs> you shouldn't be an asshole this well. I, or, you know, no one's that good an actor, right? <laughs> but he is having an affair with the hot blonde girl in class named Allison. And they're, you know, laying in the afterglow or whatever. And she's tells him, drops the bomb that she's pregnant. And he says... <laughs> Okay, he says, are you, are you sure it's mine? Which I get, it's shitty, but it's a normal question that you would ask in here, I suppose. And she's like, I've only, you know, you're the only person I'm sleeping with. And he says something really stupid. <laughs> he says, you told me there was that boy in high school. Sir, that was how long ago? <laughs> like, she didn't get knocked up by a boy in high school and then leave and come to college. And she's been here a while and just found out, like... Come on, what a dumb thing to say. Yeah, it's not like she's like held on to his sperm for all that long and then just yeah. allowed it up there. And it's just gone, no, it doesn't work like that. It does not. But he, you know, is like, all right, you know, cool. Uh, that that sucks. I'll pay for an abortion or whatever. And she's like, no, I don't want one. And he's like, the fuck do you mean you don't want one? Like, what are you talking about? You can't do that to me. Like, I have a wife and kids and a job. Like, I'm about to get tenure. Like, you have, like, you have to get an abortion. She's like, well, I'm not going to peace out. And leaves. So she's super depressed about his, not only the situation she has found herself in, but also his reaction to it was not great. So she's not, she's not, she's having a bad one. I mean, I struggle with sympathy for both those characters because it's kind of like you knew he was married and had two kids and wouldn't leave that life for you. At the same time, people can be very manipulative and yeah, he's just, it came across as very narcissistic and like like you said, like a stickler for like routine and making sure that things are done his way. 
So. Well, yeah, and the last thing he says when she leaves the hotel room is, just don't miss class. <laughs> Which will, A, come back to haunt him, and B, is such a fucking dick thing to say. <laughs> like, not take care of yourself, I'll talk to you later, we'll figure this out. Just don't miss class. What an asshole. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, she did kind of put herself in a situation, like, you know he's married, you know he has kids. Presumably, I mean, unless he lied to her and didn't tell her, but but just the power dynamic. She's also a 18, 19, 20-year-old girl. He's a grown-ass man, you know? So I, I have a hard time. She's not completely faultless, but it's still... Yeah, she's definitely yeah. more easily manipulated, used, you know, by someone like that. Yeah, it's uh, there's that power dynamic and the fact that really she might be a bit more naive when it comes to age gaps and relationships and yeah it's just it's messed up <laughs> 100 well plus i mean you you know you you were in high school you're surrounded by stupid immature high school boys and then you come to college and here's this semi-dapper dignified smart man you know who's showing you attention it's uh, you know it's understandable how you could be swayed by that and fall for whatever he has to say and feel special and feel like you know well, maybe he will leave yep. his wife for me and all that nonsense. So so you're thinking this is probably going to go a direction where he's going to kill her, right? And then, you know, but it doesn't go that way, which I appreciate because that seemed, that was my assumption. It seems like a really obvious. And this one also does some interesting, for a movie of this budget, it's actually doing things, interesting things in as far as the editing and the cuts and stuff that you don't, you don't see in either of the other shorts in this film and you don't see in movies of this little budget usually at all. Like there's a cool, right when he puts, he listens to classical music as he drives to the college and right when he puts a CD and then the song starts, it cuts to her opening a music box that's playing the same. And it was just a cool, like that transition, you don't, it seems like simple, like, but for low budget movies like this, you usually don't see that much thought put into the editing like that and that kind of impressed me a lot maybe more than it should i don't know it's just it's one of those little things you sort of notice it and you're like oh i'm glad you did that that's actually quite it's something that your brain kind of like latches onto sees it and kind of goes you know what good on you for doing that yeah because a lot of movies of this budget can't even figure out how to light their set properly let alone you know or have boom mics coming in the top of the so to actually like put some thought into the post-production that sort of you know and the edit and stuff yeah i thought that was pretty cool so the next we see her she is sitting on a uh like sitting on swing by herself uh with a gun it's not good as you do <laughs> like, like you do Just, yeah <laughs> it's tuesday right yeah but she comes into class late and but dressed to the nines like looking real good like don't don't come to class dressed like this but yeah it looks like a not an evening gown, but like she looks good. Like she's dressed up. Like she's going out to a fancy dinner and something. Which good on her for wanting to spend her last moments <laughs> not in like a sweatshirt and pajama bottoms to go to class, you know? Yeah. And then she, he's like, God, you're late. He's just, she's like, Yeah, but I didn't want to miss class. She told me last night not to miss class. And her roommate is in class with her. And she kind of looks like <laughs> last night, like, like, oh, I know what that means. <laughs> yeah. That's no one else seems to kind of catch it, but she does. And then 
she recites this poem requiem by robert louis stevenson which again for something like this like a that's like a classy selection to pick for a movie like this like you would think it would be just something a way more common or something you've heard a million times but like it's a good pick of poem i thought but uh yeah she pulls the gun out she recites this poem and in front of god and everyone or in front of him and the rest of the class puts the gun to her temple and blows her own brains out everybody class is screaming runs away so that went poorly (laughs) one thing that did bother me about his classroom was the fact that no one seemed interested in what he was teaching and i did wonder like why are any of you here well i'm also not sure i guess it was history but the way he's teaching history it almost seems like it's part of philosophy class too just the things he was saying like it seemed almost like a philosophy class but also a history class kind of mixed together i don't know it's weird but when this guy is an asshole who always mistreats you and you know i don't want to I have to be here because I need this class, but I don't, I hate this guy. I don't want to listen to him talk. He's always, you know, he's such a jerk. So the police come doing it, you know, they're doing an investigation. They're, the detective is talking to the professor and he's like, well, the gun is missing. Did you take it? And he's like, no, why would I take it? <laughs> it's, cra- it's a crazy thing to do. Somebody must have took it in the, like, the panic and the rush out, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't me. So they, they don't have the gun. And then he's leaving from being talked to by the police. And there are three students sitting in the hallway. And here's where, to me, this man becomes irredeemable. Like before, you're like, maybe he'll learn a lesson from this. As shitty a man as he is. But this moment, I'm like, no, fuck this guy. Oh, terrible things happen to him. Because he comes out in the hallway. Three of his students are there grieving. And they're like, hey, some of us were wondering, you know, her funeral is next week. And he's like, no. There's class that day. You all have to be here. No one's going to the... He won't let his students who watched this girl, some of them were surely her friends, kill herself in front of them. He won't let them out of class one day to go to her fucking funeral. Which he also has zero interest in going to. Man, that is cold shit. Freezing cold. Oh, Man. I'll, I'll admit, I've never, I don't think I've ever met anyone that has been that much of a bastard. <laughs> no, I had college professors that I disagreed about Hemingway with, <laughs> you know, but nobody, yeah, nobody like that. They'll usually work with you. Certainly no, especially sort of in this nowadays, nowadays, I sound so, I'm an old man, but nowadays, this day and age where, you know, there's grief counselors on site for any, you know, every little thing that I'm not saying there's, I'm not saying there shouldn't be, but you know what I mean? Someone from fact, someone higher up, the dean of the fucking school would be coming in and going, no, class is canceled that day. The entire college is going to her funeral and you don't get to, you don't get to a say in the matter, professor. What's your face? Like, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't know how that would be allowed. Like, surely there's other students at that campus that would miss her and want to say bye to her. But no, that one class isn't allowed. Ugh. Or are even just trauma, even if they didn't know her, are traumatized by the fact that you just watched a girl shoot herself in the head five feet away from you. You might want a couple days off of school. Sorry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Certainly not to go back to that classroom where literally in the next scene, her blood is still all over the floor. 
what kind of terrible crime scene? Because don't crime scene technicians don't isn't there some kind of cleanup crew that comes in afterwards and cleans this shit up? Yeah, usually they'll go in once <sighs> things have been wrapped up and they'll like sterilize the entire place and just make it look sort of new. <laughs> yeah, because that night Professor's hanging around campus and he hears this weird sound coming around the hallway and he goes down there and it's just the school janitor trying to with the floor buffer trying to like buff the blood out of the floor which is that's that's not a job for the school janitor that's like a biohazard you can't have him in there you should well at least put a face protection on because that yeah like you said that's a biohazard so if you clean up someone's blood that's gonna spray everywhere it's not gonna be nice well, or mop it up first because he has like the floor polisher and he's just going over the he's just rubbing the blood further into the hardwood like he's just really it's a bad idea so I hope you hope hope you left blood red stains on the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's in there. That's in there forever. <sighs> but the teacher does find he finds her earring that somehow the police also missed is laying in the blood, and he picks it up and takes it, puts it in his pocket. God knows why. I guess some memento for of her. But I think there's a as it goes on. I think there's the possibility that he is actually devastated by this but he's hiding it not only from everyone around him because he has to pretend i'm not affected by this because i barely knew that girl she was just in my class you know it's we certainly weren't sleeping together (laughs) you know but also from you know forcing himself to not like like no i gotta be tough i gotta be like you know i can't that stupid man shit of like i can't feel my emotions and i can't deal with that stuff Uh, but as it goes on you do feel like maybe he actually is grieving in his way and just won't let it out but he's still an asshole i don't care <laughs> yeah it's that kind of um that toxicness of like if i show my emotions about this then i'm seen as weak and it's kind of like you're literally sure your fair partner after they told you that they were pregnant with your child shoot themselves in front of you so not only is your unborn child dead the student that you were shucking up with dies in front of you as well. I'm pretty sure, even if you didn't know who that student was, if you saw someone shoot themselves in front of you, you'd be upset. You'd at least take a few days off work. <laughs> yeah, I think people would understand. I don't think people would automatically jump to, they must have been fucking, he's really sad. Like, no, I think everyone would understand, like, yeah, that's a fucked up thing to see. <laughs> I understand why you have that look on your face. You should, because it's weird. You know, that's messed up. I don't think anyone would be busting his balls about showing some emotion over it. He's hearing her voice in the school halls, kind of whispering to him, and he's trying to find the source, and there's nothing. He gets in his car, and his favorite class of music CD is playing her talking to reciting that poem. So it's like, I guess he can't. Music's ruined for him now. Just that, like, never again. <laughs> I really love that CD. And then he gets a call at home from Allison's goth roommate to meet him. So he goes to meet her and she's like, hey, man. So I was going through her stuff. She was my friend, you know, that I watched, you know, shoot herself right next to me. Uh, I found her diary. You might want to take a look at that because I read it and you might want to read it. And of course, detailed in the we don't you know, really see it. But you from just the look on his face, you know that like. The jig is up because she's written in probably pretty good detail <laughs> their affair and her being pregnant and what's and probably his response to it as well and what's going on. 
and the roommate's like i made it don't worry i made a copy about it don't worry about it you can have that one <laughs> like she really is like like don't worry i've know, got evidence on, on you now <laughs> yeah putting him well because she wants something from him she took the gun from the crime scene as soon as allison shot herself because it was her gun that she had the only person who even knew she had a gun in their room was allison and so she doesn't want to coming back on her that like i left this gun laying around and this my friend killed herself with it so you're going to take this gun and get rid of it and in exchange i'm not going to blow the lid off what you guys were doing so he takes the gun and then the next day and the the makeup on this part's a little eh, i don't know mm-hmm. it's a little like real like it's just like it's not great zombie makeup but he's sitting in class he looks at her seat and she's there all zombified and Actually, I forgot to mention, there's cool little moments. Again, we're talking about the editing. There's cool little moments where, like, when like when he is seeing the... When he first starts talking to the roommate, it kind of cuts to a close-up of her on the ground, eyes open, blood pooling under her head, you know, having just shot herself dead. And then when he reads her journal and realizes that, that like, oh, shit, I'm busted, it cuts back to her, but her her corpse, like, smiles... It was a cool little moment of like, I don't know. It was just visually, it was like she's getting her revenge from beyond the gray. It was, yeah. I, I liked it. It's almost like a way of going, got your bitch <laughs> while she's on the floor. Yeah. But now he's sitting in class and he keeps like, there's a bump, the door opens by itself and he's like, what the hell is this? Like a breeze blows these papers on the wall, like something has walked past. And he sits on his desk and he looks over and there she is looking kind of zombified. And she like goes into like zombie labor and there's like black blood pouring out of her onto the floor and it's icky, but also not like the makeup, like, like I said, the makeup effects is not, isn't great on that, which kind of cuts, brings it down a little bit. But, and again, whether, is there an actual ghost here or is he just, is this some telltale heart shit where he's just going crazy? Don't know, but he loses it. He can't stand to watch this anymore and he stands up and shoots himself he pulls the gun out of his bag shoots himself in front of us so you're not re-traumatizing this classroom full of children take that shit outside man say excuse me go out to your car and do that shit don't do it in front of this classroom who not two fucking days ago just saw like in, in the span of a couple days they watch two people shoot themselves in the head in their classroom that's bananas don't do that to them it's like what are the odds <laughs> that's it so in the lay his last moments are selfish as well so mm. he got what he had coming to him I don't, I don't, he will not be missed yeah that's the end of that one uh, i do need to ask though there was one th- thing that i did see in the film that did kind of let me go like why this must be an oversight where his uh, his wife is asleep next to him in bed and he's just laying there staring at the clock. And uh, his wife is wearing full-on makeup asleep. I'm like, women don't do that unless you're absolutely trashed after a night out. You don't just forget to set your makeup off. It just really bothered me in that scene for some reason. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Which again, I mean, maybe the makeup artist on this short was not as good as the makeup artist on the first short because... Yeah, there's makeup problems in general in this in, on this short. But yeah, that is weird to just go to. <laughs> Which I mean, and that's probably the actress like, you know, no, I want to look good all the time. So put me in. Okay, whatever. Who knows? I don't know. It was just something that I saw and I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's those little details that, you know, 
being a human being who lives on the planet and has some experience, you're like, that that doesn't look right. <laughs> but and of course his it's not like because we at the very beginning we see him at home with his family, and it's not like his kids are little monsters that are just like his kids are perfectly fine. His wife, a perfectly attractive and lovely woman. Not that you should shit on your wife if she's fat and ugly. I'm not saying that, but I mean, like, you know, it's that thing of like, why, dude? Why would you even do this? Like, is the lure of like something new and young that powerful that like your wife is hot? Stay home. Well, I'm sure your wife gets plenty of offers. Yeah. Why are you being a dickhead about it? It's just, I, oh, yeah, I don't get it when people do that, but I did. Dudes, man. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> but lucky. Uh, but yeah, the uh, I, I like the um, his two daughters in the beginning when you see them arguing at the at the breakfast table, like slapping each other, and I'm like, yeah, that looked that was like me and my sisters growing up. But I'm glad they represented sibling rivalry really well. <laughs> yeah, he just seems like he just can't wait to get out of that house, and I'm like, why, dude? Like your life is fine. Calm down. Midlife crisis bullshit. Exactly. It's like you're not 19, dude. Shut up. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's on Sabbath Hill. And then the third and last short of Dead Time Stories Volume 2 is called Dust. It's 34 minutes long. It's pretty silly. <laughs> it's, I feel like it has a kind of intriguing setup. You've got this janitor. He's working at a little, or not a janitor, sorry, a security guard, an older fella, middle-aged guy. He's working as security guard at this science lab. He's kind of buddies with the one of the scientists there. At home, he has a wife who is bedridden, dying of leukemia. And there, it seems to be no hope. She's on her last days. Which I get, I mean, my, my for me, my question then is like, why are you still going to work? But I guess you got to work. I mean, you got to make money. Mm. But I mean, if she's literally days away from dying, I'm not, I'm going to need a week off, man. So I can spend like her last moments on earth not being at work, you know? But I, don't know, I guess you do what you got to do. But the scientist has... A sample of dust from Mars, the planet Mars, this red dust that seems to have like an eerie voice to it and moves on its own. And he's been testing it on tissues and, or, you know, whatever's and has learned that has like, it has powerful regenerative properties. And the security guard is like, Hey, do you, you know, do you think it would cure my wife? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe like that's asking a lot advanced leukemia, but. I suppose it's possible, but I would need to do a lot more testing and stuff. And the security guard knows, like, well, she doesn't have time for that. So we're going to circumvent that. He steals some in the middle of the night, takes it home, injects it right into her, like... uh, IV bag. (laughs) IV bag, yes, thank you. And yeah, it heals her leukemia right up. Also makes her an enormous horn dog (laughs) for some reason that I don't understand. Yeah, I was wondering about that as well, because I literally made a note saying, good God, sex that fast. (laughs) Look, look, the first time I get it, she's been bedridden for God knows how long. You know, they're a loving couple who've been together for a long time. They haven't been able, I'm sure, just because of her physical frailty to be intimate in God knows how long. So the first thing you want to do when you're, boom, you're hot and hale and healthy again. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, that would be a pretty top priority for me as well. Like, what? what else? No, I want to go eat and have a steak. Like, no, that can wait. I want to fucking tell her can't move. <laughs> right. So the first time I get it, <laughs> but then she won't stop. Like she will not leave this man alone. 
he can't get any sleep. He can't because she's just on him all the time. She's screaming from the other room, fuck me, come in here. Fuck. Like, it's crazy. So vacant from the she's just turned into... <laughs> She's like a become an insane nymphomaniac to the point that he's like rubbing like Ben Gay on his junk. Like he's just more he's wore out. <laughs> <laughs> but it also so something the side effect of this seemingly curing her leukemias, it's made her a raving nymphomaniac, which seems cool for the first couple days. But then yeah, after a while it's like, oh my god, I just I need to sleep, I need to eat. I'm I have there's no skin left. I'm below my waist like can you stop for five damn yeah, minutes talking about degolving <laughs> right but then the effects of the dust start to wear off and her leukemia like she starts to look she's getting gaunt again and she's getting you know so the leukemia is not actually like gone or in remission it's just being i don't know whatever the dust is keeping it at bay but she needs it now so now it's become an addiction thing where if you want to keep her alive, two things have to happen. You have to keep supplying her with this dust from Mars, which is not easy to get. And secondly, you're going to have to put up with her just wanting to get it wet constantly, <laughs> which is, yeah, sounds fun, but it's going to be annoying. It's like the one mosquito that keeps making noise near you and you can't, you can't swat it. <laughs> Except that mosquito is very, very targeted on your dick. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, he needs more. He needs a lot more. He's going to need a good supply. He goes back to the lab to steal some more. And this time he gets busted. He gets caught by the scientist who's like, I can't let you leave with that. He's like, no, listen, it totally cured my wife. He does not mention the side effect. Like, never, you know, don't worry about that. But like, like she was fine. It cured her leukemia, but I need more because it's wearing off. And he's like, that's, that's cool, I guess. But we need to like laboratory conditions. We need to know why, you know. We need to learn more. You don't know what this is actually doing, the long-term effects, all of that. I cannot let you leave the lab with that. That's that's crazy. I'm like, I'll get fired for one. Plus, who knows what you're unleashing on the planet? So he clubs the guy with his. Is it his thermos? He hits him with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He hits the scientist with his thermos hard enough to knock his straight up knock his eyeball out. His eyeball just falls out onto the floor. So. I mean, if it's if it's a Stanley thermos, then yeah, I can understand why because those things are built to take some yeah, damage. <laughs> it's a good thermos. So now he has to, without getting caught by the other roving security guard or any of the security cameras, which luckily he knows where they all are, has to dispose of the scientist's body. So he wraps it up in. He does a terrible job of mop. I don't know what's with people being bad at mopping in this movie, but he does a terrible job of mopping up blood off the floor. Wraps this guy in a <laughs> what? Uh, not a tarp, but like plastic wrap. It looks kinda. like see-through shower curtain. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and drags him through sort of the bowels of the building, out past you know whatever way he has to go past the security cameras without getting seen. And takes this guy home and throws him in the freezer because he's I don't what else am I going to do? And he's like, well, I'll wait till well they live right they live right next to like a cemetery. So he's like, next time there's this funeral. I'll wait till they have just buried it. And I'll, I'll throw him in on top of another body and then cover it back up. So, Eight for one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that plan, but I guess it's better than nothing. But yeah, she. So he gives her more dust. She's healed again, but she's back at it again. Where he, she just won't let this man rest. He can't. He's like, you know, I have to go to work now. And she's like, no, stay here and have sex with me again and again, constant. So something in this dust is turned into a sex zombie. 
It's like, stay home and ruin my JJ. <laughs> it's good work if you can get it, but you need a vacation every once in a while. Yeah, you need, you need to at least breathe <laughs> and shower. Yes. We also see that she's also now really into raw meat. She's sitting on the bed with just like an enormous flank steak that's just bloody raw, just taking big bites out of it. So something is amiss that he's going to have to deal with sooner or later, but he's just happy she's alive. I get it. But then she starts eating. He leaves and she's just eating the dust raw, just like gets a container and is just like shoving dust in her mouth, not even like mixed with liquid or anything. Just like it's like the cinnamon challenge, but that's what I was thinking as well. I half expected her to like sneeze and for it to be a cloud. But with alien zombie dust from Mars. Get on it, TikTok. <laughs> oh, God. And then he comes home one night from work and pulls in the garage and the freezers, the, the, it's like a big, you know, why am I forgetting words today? Like a big freezer. It's not like the freezer above your fridge. Oh, like a... Yes, like a deep uh, freeze. Like a yeah. chest freezer. He comes in, the lid is open, there's a trail of blood going to the house, and the body is gone, and he walks up to the bedroom, and she has been... Well, you assume she was just going to eat this guy, but it's not. that's not what's going on. He walks in, he hears them sort of... There's some moaning going on in the room, and he's thinking, oh god, she's eating him or something, but he goes in, and the guy, I, maybe because she bit him, or because he was exposed to the dust, I, I don't know. I don't think we get an answer. But the scientist with his missing eye and looking a little worse for wear, rotting-wise, is there kind of making out with his wife because like, he wasn't home to do it? She has to make out with somebody at all times? I'm not sure. I thought I thought she was. Uh, he was on the bed and she was on her knee, so I thought, is there a different type of meat in her mouth now? I can't nice. quite remember. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's... Sorry, you're like, you weren't home. I gotta... <laughs> I can't go five minutes without some dick. So, <laughs> and then, then the scientist guy is like, "You took my dust." And then they're talking to him about that, like, "Oh, we could have a three-way. We could have a menage a trois." And he's like, "Fuck this!" Well, first he shoots the scientist who looks like a zombie, so understandable. But the bullets go right through the scientist and hit his wife. So he has now shot his wife to death. But she gets right back up. She's a zombie now too. And they're chasing him outside. He's running through the cemetery and the dust in the kitchen got spilt and it's blown on the wind outside and now the corpses are rising from their graves and grabbing at his feet which seeing as this is it almost feels like because the original well i guess it's not set in the 60s or whatever i was thinking it almost seems like they're trying to make this as like a prequel to night of the living dead you know like this is the origin of where because night of the living dead never tells you they're like mm. well there was this comet maybe that did it but they never actually tell you precisely exactly you know 100 that like that's what caused the zombies in night of living dead so it almost felt like they were trying to be like this is the pre this is the origin of the you know the george a romero zombie movies but i saw it's set in modern day and i guess it's more just kind of a nod i thought it was more like what was it uh return of the living dead or uh that comedy one where um what uh they open it a um but where the zombie body is and like it in it, like a giant container, they open it, it gets it in the atmosphere, and that when it rains, it causes all the bodies and the cemeteries to rise up. I thought it might be like a continuation of that. Yeah, what is is that Return of the Living Dead two? I don't know. There's a lot of zombie movies. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. But yeah, and they, they get him and that's it's he caused the end of the world. He was just trying to help. He's just trying to save his wife, but don't mess with things you don't understand, right? And that's it. 
I, I like the fact that the scientists actually did say to him, like, we need to run tests. I know you haven't got time, but we, you know, we need to know what we're messing with here, just in case. So I'm glad they actually warned yeah, him. Yeah, the scientist is, is pragmatist the right word? Maybe not. A realist where he's, you know, he's like, look, it sucks that your wife is going to die. And I wish we could help you with that. I wish we had more time. I wish she had more time. But like, that's not how this is done. We, you can't just go, <laughs> you know, shoot a bunch of Mars dust into this lady just to see what happens. Like, we can't do that. And he was right. And that's George A. Romero's Presents Dead Time Stories Volume 2. Yeah, not bad. Pretty enjoyable. Very watchable. Doesn't overstay its welcome. Myself, personally, <laughs> I think the, the, the middle bit on, self, on Selfish, on Sabbath Hill worked the best for me not only do i think because like i said that the editing and the just it was kind of filmed better it seemed like more thought was put into it and it felt more like a like a a, kind of an emotional story with actual characters that maybe certainly more than the gorge did those were very one note kind of characters so for me the, the the second part was my my favorite of the three how about yourself i mean i like the second one i liked uh, the Sabbath Hill one because it was like I said it's the edge chain I like the but I thought it was going to go somewhere different like oh why can't they miss a lesson because I thought it was going to go out and kill the students that don't turn up or something like that but no but I, I like the fact that I actually went into detail about like showed both sides of like uh, each person that's involved in the affair and how it affected both of them and yeah I liked the um the gore effects on the floor and but i did i liked the gorge because i thought it was more because of the the practical effects involved in that one and it showed like how long they've actually been down the bus saying what um like day 25 day 31 and things like that like to me that was quite like you know they've been down there for a while so they know they're going to starve to death if they don't eat the fiance sort of thing so i kind of i liked it more for the uh, special effects in the gorge sabbath hill i preferred the story that's fair i can yeah i agree with that third one i was like dust i was like what why what <laughs> is this <laughs> that was kind of my reaction to it yeah yeah and that's that it is that time of the episode where i press the magic button to see what next episode's movie chosen completely at random from everything streaming will be pressing the magic button now cross your fingers and hope that we can keep in spooky season and not get like a Christmas movie. <laughs> Cause I've had Christmas movies in June. Cause my movies are random. Uh, <laughs> nope. We're lucky. Spooky season continues. Next episode movie is children of the corn colon runaway from 2018. There's only, t- there's only two children of the corn movies. I have not seen. And it's a, this one. And then the remake or whatever that came out just a couple years ago. So, We'll see. Uh, Children of the Corn as a franchise, not a not a great track record <laughs> for me. So we'll see how this one does. Um, it is on for people's homework. It is on to be naturally here. I don't know about uh, in the UK and other places, but here in America, for my American listeners, uh, free to watch on to be Children of the Corn Runaway from 2018. We'll see how that goes. That's the next episode. I need to look into that one. I, for- I forgot how many Children of the Corn films there are. I believe that that would be number 10. Oh, God. 
and then the remake because I, I think the remake from 2020 or whatever a couple years ago was the 11th one counting there was a tv movie remake as well so i think counting that there's 11 which would make this one the 10th one so yeah we'll see <laughs> i don't have high hopes because there was several years it's been a while but several years ago i there were a couple franchises where i said i'm gonna sit down this week and i'm gonna watch this entire franchise hellraiser was one also to very mixed results uh and children of the corn oh and puppet master but Children of Corn was another one where I'm like, I'm going to watch all, I guess at that point, nine of these, ten of these. And yeah, the first one is pretty good. And then stop. <laughs> <laughs> None of the rest of them are really any good at all. Some of them are really terrible. And I know that probably there's probably for rights reasons you have to say based on a story by Stephen King. But you you could stop doing that too, as far as I'm concerned. Because the first one is kind of sort of based on a short story by Stephen King. The rest of them have nothing to do with Stephen King. So I don't know, just putting his name on there for attention or maybe you legally you have to, I don't know, but maybe, maybe it's a legal thing. Could be licensing. I don't know. Yeah. So that's everybody's homework for next episode. Thank you, Faith, very much for spending some time with me here to talk about horror movie, which you love to do. Tell people where they can find you and the show on social media and things like that. Okay, so Caffeinated Monsters, you can find on most listening platforms like Spotify, iTunes, uh, Podchaser, pretty much all, all the big name ones. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Sasha app, sometimes Twitter, but very rarely. A real good time listening to the show. And I bet you will too if you like horror at all. Yes, if you I like hope, hearing. I like no, I was going <laughs> to say if you like hearing more interesting accents than my whatever mine is so <laughs> i was about to say i hope my accent hasn't annoyed anyone real stupid i am on twitter at heath lambert 78 the show is at that's so random p2 the show is also in some form or other of that's so random that's a random pod or that's a random podcast on places like slasher or tiktok or hive and mastodon i don't know if anybody even goes on there but and you can hear the show on well not Stitcher anymore because Stitcher is dead now but uh, Spotify Apple Podcasts you know you know where to find podcasts I'm on there just go you know I always feel like there's more to say at the end but then I realize there isn't mm. oh, yeah I mean if um, when I finally get around to changing the name I was thinking about changing it to um, Slumber Party Monsters just to make it a bit easier for people. Uh, I'll think about doing franchise episodes, and if you're interested, call dibs on a franchise if you want. Oh, yeah. I, man, I, anytime you would have me, any subject, I would come on your show in a heartbeat, even if it's just a what the horror or, yeah, any topic you pick, I probably know at least a little bit about it. So, yeah, I would I would love to. Any, any, any old time, anything you want to talk about, just let me know. I'm not picky. Lovely. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you again, Faith, for watching this not terrible for once movie with me and uh <laughs> yeah everyone go check out caffeinated monsters or whatever it changes its name to listen to faith and her guests she's cool guests on too like um positively horror i like a lot i gotta i want to get a hold of that guy he's positive he's positive i don't have enough positivity and <laughs> on this show so <laughs> i could use I'll put in a good word for you i <laughs> <laughs> oh, appreciate it and uh clara is awesome too so 
yeah, a lot of good regular guests on her show as well. So go give that a listen and be back here next episode for Children of the Corn Runaway on Tubi. And that'll do it for me. Have a good week. Bye.